Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We are in the book of Psalms all this summer and Psalm 121 is one of my favorites uh, and so it, it just is a, a great psalm to cover, but we read the Bible every day. We like to get into the Bible and we read an Old Testament chapter every day, a New Testament chapter. You, you should have gotten a Bible reading card when you came in. Follow along as we read scripture every day, but we literally just read one, uh, Psalm 121 yesterday in our Bible reading, so I just thought it was really good. It's also a really good psalm to cover because as we move into summer, a lot of you guys are making plans to go somewhere, maybe to do some road tripping. Anybody have plans to get in your car and drive somewhere this summer? Yeah, a couple of you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we are in our car a lot, and uh, so, but we love it. We we enjoy going places. And what I love about technology is that back in the day, you used to have to take a cassette tape, right, and and you know have these songs, and you have to change them out. But now they have these new apps. Uh, like Apple Music and Spotify. Spotify is my favorite, where you can actually have playlists set ahead of schedule. So if you're going to road trip, you can yeah, have this playlist and have all of your songs on the playlist. I mean, it's, it's crazy. There's playlists for everything. If you go work out at the gym, you could find a playlist for your workout. If you're you know, just going through a little situation uh, at home and, and you're uh, uh, going through maybe a downtime, you just need a, a little pick-me-up. There's a playlist for that, but you can find a, a playlist for a road trip. For the Cruz family, when we get into the car, and we'll be going to San Diego this year uh, for a, a little getaway, and, and uh, we'll get in our car, and you know, with all of my kids, 
uh, they'll have a song that they'll play, and it's the first song that we will always start our road trip off with, and it's this song. Go ahead and play it. This, this is the cruise road trip song. Sing it if you know it. Now you know why I'm not the worship leader. All right. Every road trip I, I think we've ever taken, there's always some kind of a difficulty that pops up. Something goes wrong with the car. Maybe somebody gets sick. I remember my kids. Uh, they had those little pacifiers. My daughters called them binkies. And I, I, I'm telling you, every time we went to the store, we bought one, but we always lost them. And, and there was some hole in our car that ate all the binkies. And we would get on the road, and then, uh, you know, the daughter would, you know, the daughter, Kylie or Mackenzie, they'd start crying. And, and we'd have to go find a store, buy a binky. It's just crazy. Uh, but probably the craziest road trip difficulty we had, uh, we were going to the beach. We were living in Vegas and, and coming through Bakersfield because we have a lot of relatives there. It was really hot. And as we were leaving Bakersfield, we ran over something on the highway. And immediately the tire gave out and it was a mess. So we pull over, uh, look at the spare. You know, I've, I've never had to change a tire in my life. I know, don't judge me. Uh, but I never really had to do that. So I'm like looking under there and going, how do I get the tire out? You know, uh, YouTube wasn't really a thing then. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? So I call a tow truck. And so the tow truck comes, and he's like, hey, you know, it'd just be easier for me to throw this on uh, the deal because your, your spare tire is not real good. So I'll just tow you guys into a shop in Bakersfield. They'll change your tire, and you'll be on your way. Now, now if you're coming back from your trip, it's, it's a little bit less uh, of a bummer. But when you're on your way to the beach, when you live in the desert, it's super disappointing. You know, you're, you're, here we are, you know, having to go to the shop to fix our tire, but the tow truck driver did something, I don't even know if it's legal, but he put our car in the back of his flatbed, and he said, do you guys still want to ride in your car? I go, we, we can do that? He said, yeah, why not? So I go, oh, we're doing this. And so we, we get in the car while it's on top of the tow truck bed, and he's driving us into the shop, and if you know anything about Bakersfield culture, they love their lifted vehicles. And so for the first time in my life, I was feeling like I fit in in this town. I was like, yeah, I got my own lifted car, at least for a little while. I was fun. But it just, it never fails that you have a plan that, that you're just following. or just like, we're going to have a good time and then just something that, that comes up that's unexpected, that's just disappointing. And, and sometimes in that space, you can just kind of lose sight of what it was or where you were going. I, I like this quote by Mike Tyson. And you think, how is Mike Tyson being quoted in church? He says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> I don't know how many of you are like, that's a word from God for me. But... <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I just, and that resonates with me because you can have a plan and then some kind of difficulty, unexpected circumstance pops up and, and you just kind of get derailed. 
And you can get just stuck in that space. Well, the Israelites, see, they were called by God to go and visit Jerusalem three times a year on these journeys. They would go and they would connect with God. They would worship God. And, and it was a family event. So the whole family would come. And, and you can imagine packing the kids up and, and going on this journey through the desert, how, how many difficulties they had and, and all of the way, the trek up to Jerusalem and all the things that popped up for them and their families. And so what they would do is they would sing these psalms. They're called the Songs of Ascent. And you could read these psalms, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, were these songs, they were these anthems that the families would sing as they journeyed to Jerusalem to connect with God. And these songs were important to sing, not because God was in heaven going, hey, I want somebody to sing to me today. No, because they needed to remind their souls of the greatness of God through whatever difficulties they were encountering on their journey. And that's really what worship is. Worship is a moment in your life where you can remind your soul of the greatness of God because your circumstances and difficulties can seem so ginormous that that's all you think about and you stop thinking about the greatness and the power that God has moving, not just in your life, but he wants to move through your life. And so I want to break this psalm down because I believe there are four attributes of God that we can really remind our souls about this morning on whatever difficulty you may be facing in your journey. Maybe a circumstance that popped up this week that was unexpected and it's just kind of got you a little bit sideways in some of your thinking. So let's break this down and I wanna give you the first attribute this morning and that is God is your source. God is your source. Let's read verses one and two. I know the video went through the whole psalm, but it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from God. Now see, in our culture, there are a lot of sources out there that are broadcasting to us and, 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 and trying to sell us that they are a source of help for your life. And a lot of us have bought in to this idea of like, okay, this source may help me, and, and the sources may not be bad in nature, but when you put all of your marbles in that basket, so to speak, and think, this is really going to help me, those things fall short. And what the psalmist is saying here is that when you get into a difficulty, and we all will, that every human being at some point in your life is going to end up in a situation where you're going to need help. The psalmist is saying, don't look around for your help. Look up to God who created the heavens and the earth. That, that this God that I'm talking about is greater than your problem. He's stronger than your difficulty. And he's the only one that is. So look up when you're going through something. Don't just look around. I, I love this idea in um, Matthew chapter, uh, it's uh, chapter 14. And Peter steps out of the boat. This is the famous story. Peter's walking on water. Jesus is on the water. And I love what in, in, encounter Peter has. He says, Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water with you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, 
he cried out, Lord, save me. I, I love this because Peter is the only one that can say, hey, I walked on water with Jesus. He's the only one. And, and as much uh, maybe grief that we give him for sinking, I mean, we got to give him some credit for the boldness and the courage to step out of the boat. I, I believe that God is wanting to give some courage and some boldness to some of you to step out of your boats and do some things that will get you closer with God that may be difficult. I believe that's a word uh, for this service. But as you think about this idea, Peter was fine when he was locked in and looking at Jesus. And it wasn't until he started paying attention to the wind and he, and he saw the wind. He was looking at Jesus, but then he saw the wind. And what he did, as soon as he saw the wind, he began to sink. And, and it really shows me something. And I want you to lean into this principle because this is true for all of us. You will steer your life to what you stare at. You will steer where you stare. And as long as Peter was looking at Jesus, he was able to be on top of those choppy waters and he was able to, to stay in that space with Jesus. And it wasn't until he got his eyes off of this, this amazing, glorious man of God, the, the son of God, that he began to sink. And, and let me tell you something about our problems. They can, because they're so close to our life, they can seem so much bigger than anything else, and even sometimes God. I found it interesting. I read an article years ago, and in this article, it was connecting the growing unbelief in God in America with the invention of the modern-day air conditioning, and I found this very fascinating, and the, the article, the author was saying that basically that because people are spending more time indoors that they are not able to connect with God in nature. In other words, that the more we're outside, the more nature is shouting at us on the creation and the power of God. I mean, some of you know this. You, you've been in Malibu and watched a beautiful sunset, and your just mouth is open, and you're just like, whoa. Man, God, you blow me away. You look at some of these, these uh, skies, like the way the clouds are moving, and, and we've been driving back and forth between here and Bakersfield. And they've been those like thunder bumper clouds, and it just like creates this like sky. And it's just, it, I, I've had so many awe moments in nature at the wonder of God. But people are not going outside as much as they used to. And so it just makes sense that if you're staying indoors so much that, that you can have a little kind of internal disconnect to the greatness and the majesty of God, that God is greater than that problem, that he is, he is mightier than that difficulty you're going through. How many of you have ever been on, on a clear night away from the city, away from all the light pollution, and you just looked up and you just saw the majesty of the Milky Way galaxy just coming through our sky. You're just like, whoa. And there, you just like see stars beyond stars, and you're like, what is this? And then we read where God has called every star by name, and it's just like, it's like, whoa. But see, our problems are so in our face that sometimes they cover up the greatness of God. See, I can put my hand so close to my eyes that even though there's a room full of people, I can't see any of you. The problem is we're not looking up. The psalmist says, if you want 
a breakthrough over your situation. If you want to move past this difficulty and problem, the first step is you have got to know God is your source. And the way you know that is you look up. I love how Hebrews says it. Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you in in your relationship with God. But I have to intentionally, throughout my day, set my life up to where I, I like, remember to look up to God. And, and when I say look up, like, there could be a physical looking up, but I, I just, I, I look at it more like, I need reminders of God, that, that he is the king of my life. He is the master owner of who I am as a person. So I love worship music. And so if, if I find myself being kind of carried away in the busyness of life, nothing will kind of recenter me than throwing on some worship music and, and being able to just sit in my car and be able to listen to some worship music. I, I mean, other times it's, it's opening the Word of God and just reading a verse. Other times it's the Bible app. You guys, I can't oversell this thing. It's a free app that you can put on your smartphone. Uh, it's U version, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Download it. It's got devotions on there. Find something, a resource for you that's based on Jesus that is going to help you continue to look up no matter what it is that is going on around you, no matter what winds are going and blowing, no matter what kind of waves are kicking up. If you continue to look up, then I'm telling you, you will always remind yourself that God is greater than the storm that is trying to sink you. Amen? Here's the second thing that we need to understand, that God is not just our source. He is our support, that God wants to support us. Verses 3 and 4, it says... Uh, It says, he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This is important because even back then, people got tired. They got worn out. And the psalmist is saying, hey, we got to remember that God is not like us. That, That even while we're sleeping, God is on the move for our lives. That's pretty trippy to think about. But as you read the Bible, as you look at some of the stories here in, in the supernatural element of our life, that there is, a, there is a spiritual world that is going on that is affecting our lives. There's demons, there's angels, there's the devil, there's God, and all of these different principalities Paul talks about that are trying to invade our lives and, and wreak havoc against our lives. And then God... He has this holy host of angels that that he raises up and he says, hey, I want to give you guys help. And so even when we're sleeping, God is fighting on our behalf. When the enemy, when demons and principalities are trying to come against your marriage and come against your family and come against your health and come against all of these different ways, God in heaven is on scene to support you and give you what you need so that you can be victorious in whatever it is that you're going through. It's important for us to understand. Psalm 34, verse 18, one of my favorite Psalm verses, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I really believe that a lot of times we can go through a situation in life and maybe we're not physically hurt, but we just kind of feel almost like spiritually hurt. It sounds weird. But, but maybe it's even a, a situation that you went through at a church, 
and it just kind of left you feeling a little sore inside. Maybe uh, uh, an unmet expectation that, that you thought God was going to move, and maybe you felt like you had a promise in your life, and it's just like, oh, God, I just I, I don't feel like that happened. I've just got to tell you, Daniel chapter 10 is one of the most insightful chapters of the Bible on how God is moving for you when you aren't even aware of it. And you got to read that later. I don't have time to tell you, but an angel is coming to Daniel, and the prince of Persia has got this angel, and I don't know, I always imagine in this, like, you know, this chokehold going, yeah, I'm not letting you to Daniel. I don't know how that works, but I do know that angels exist. And the angels are moving in our midst and are moving for, for God as his messengers for your life. That I really do believe you have angels watching over you. I really do that. I, I don't worship angels, but I do believe angels are conduits of God to help your life. That you have some angels actively moving for you even while you sleep. And don't accuse me of watching too much television and touched by an angel or any of that. But I do believe Hebrews, it goes on to say that some of us entertain angels and we're unaware of it. Now that could be like we're moving in spaces and we never physically see an angel. Or that could be like maybe a person that we think we're ministering to or helping is really an angel in disguise. I don't know. I, I have probably about a dozen stories where I walked away going, was that an angel? Like, stuff didn't make sense, and, and I just walked away going, wow, that was pretty crazy. And every once in a while as a pastor, I get to hear these amazing God stories. That's one of the advantages I have as a pastor is that people send me these stories. And I saw this story that somebody sent me, and, and it's, I think it's from CBN, um, and, and I, just, I, I just think of it, and I was like, wow, like, if there is a skeptic out there, I'd like to hear how they would respond to this guy's testimony. Bruce Van Nata loved trucks, and his job as a self-employed diesel mechanic helped this Christian family man live out his power truck dreams and provide for his wife and four children. He never gave a second thought to the dangers of working on engines that weighed thousands of pounds until November 16, 2006. I was working on a Peterbilt logging truck about an hour from our home. And the guy that I was working with that day, the driver of the truck, asked me if I would look and try and diagnose one more problem, one more leak before I left. So if you can picture one of these great big Peterbilt trucks, here's the front bumper. And I slipped underneath that great big chrome bumper feet first. And he had had the front axle jacked up in the air and the passenger side wheel removed. The axle is going right across my chest at this point, maybe an inch or two above my chest. Then just as Bruce slipped under the truck, the 20-ton capacity jack holding up the truck shot out from its position. And this 10,000, 12,000 pounds of weight that is on these two front wheels on this axle came down across my midsection, basically like a blunt guillotine, and just crushed me in half. Blood had splatted the inside of my throat, the back of my throat when it fell. And I could see that there was less than an inch of airspace between the bottom of the axle and the cement. So I knew that I was thinner than it, my body was thinner than an inch. The man jacked the truck up off of me. I begged him to get me out from underneath the truck. He didn't want to because he could tell that I had to have a broken back, and I did. Um, my vertebrae and my back were cracked uh, the width of the axle. It was the most incredible pain you can think of. I've never felt any kind of pain like that. The very next thing it is, I just called out, Lord, help me. I called it all twice, Lord help me. Instantly, all of the pain left Bruce's body. 
At that point, my, I went unconscious. My spirit left my body, floated up into the ceiling, and now I'm, my spirit is looking down on the accident scene from above. The man I've been working with was on his knees above my body. He's talking, I can hear him talking. He's saying things like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But on each side of him, also on their knees, was a huge angel. Their heads stuck up at least this much taller than his head. So if you would have stood them up, they would have had been like eight feet tall. They did not have wings. They were just very broad shoulders. Again, between the two angels and him, it took up the whole front of his truck. There was a bright light shining around each one of them. They were matching bookends. They looked identical. They just had their arms underneath the truck, not holding the truck up but had their arms angled in towards my body. There was no pain. In fact, just peace. And I can't even describe, words can't describe the peace that I felt in the ceiling. Bruce knew he had a serious choice to make. I was definitely on the point, on the verge of life and death. There were two voices, thoughts in my head. One was shut your eyes, give up and die, and you're just gonna go to heaven anyway. It was very loud. There was another voice in my head, thought, much quieter, more of a whisper. And that one said, if you want to live, you're going to have to fight, and it's going to be a hard fight. And next thing I knew, my spirit went back down into my body like that, just like a shot. Bruce was conscious as he was flown on a life flight to the hospital. Doctors there doubted he would even survive the next few hours. His ribs were broken, his pancreas and spleen crushed, and several major arteries had been severed. I had five major places, five places that major arteries were completely severed. I found out from uh, doctors that there was a medical study done in 2001. According to that study by the University of Southern California, they've used my case and compared it against that study. And according to that, they can't find anyone else in the world that's ever lived with five major arteries being severed. So I should have bled to death in just a few minutes. So my thought is the angels were there to hold my, somehow hold me together. Bruce stayed in the hospital for over two months and survived five major surgeries. I just hear that story, man. I'm just like, wow, God is fighting for you. You just need to understand that. The third attribute that we want to talk about from the psalm is that God is your strength. So not only is he supporting you, he's your strength. It says in verses five and six, it says, the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. That word shade there in some modern translations is shield. And the armor, just so you know, most of the time the shield was in the left hand and the weapon was in the right hand. And so your right side was pretty vulnerable to any kind of enemy army that was coming against you. So they knew that they would go towards your right and God's saying, hey, that, that area of your life that you're the most vulnerable with, I'm there. I've got your weak side. I'm covering your weak side. There's another Psalm that kind of says and echoes the same thing in Psalm 28, verse seven, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Here is David just saying, hey, I know that I'm weak, and I need help in my weakness. One of the best things that you could do in your relationship with God is admit, is admit that you have weaknesses in your life. And what I love about verses 5 and 6, it, it talks about three different spaces that we deal with. It, it talks about the vulnerability of our right side, the, the sun coming down and 
causing us to shrink, and then the moon uh, shining down on us. And like, how is the moon dangerous? Do you know in ancient times, they believed that if you were out on a full moon and the moon beams hit you just right, you would become crazy. You would go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Eh? So they would, they would try to stay out of the moonlight. Yeah, honestly, a little trivia, that's where the term lunatic comes from is this idea that the moon has some kind of play in our mental health. And so think about what the psalmist is saying. Hey, there are times that emotionally we're weak. There are times that the sun's out, we're physically weak and exhausted. And then there's just times we're mentally weak and exhausted. And in your exhaustion, in your vulnerability, in your weakness, God wants to be your strength. Paul's crying out to God in a weakness that he has. He's like, God, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for you to deliver me of this weakness. And he said, Paul, I'm not going to deliver you of this weakness because in your weakness, my strength is being perfected in your life. How do you know that you are admittedly weak as you look at your prayer life? If you know that you're you have vulnerability in your life, that, that there are areas that you're, you're like, I know that in the right conditions, I, I may fall, I, I may not do well in these spaces, then you just look at your prayer life. If you're a person, you don't pray very much, you're pretty much every time you leave your house in the morning even without talking to God and having this conversation with the Lord, you're basically saying, God, I got this. I've got this. You know, Jesus gave this prayer when the disciples said, you know, teach us how to pray. I tell you, I want to teach you another prayer, all right? This is a prayer I learned a long time ago. Maybe you can relate to this prayer. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, been greedy, grumpy, selfish, or nasty. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> and from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. How many can relate to this prayer? <laughs> You're like, yes. That is me. Like, I know that this dude right here needs a lot of coverage because I've got a lot of weak areas of my life, and I know that God is glorified to be my strength in the midst of my weakness because when I'm able to conquer these areas of weakness, I give all the glory to him because I'm like, I couldn't do it without God in my life. Some of the most powerful prayers you can honestly pray is God help me. Help me. Just, just admit it. You don't have to pray long prayers, but maybe even before you get out of bed, God, I need help today. God loves to be invited into those areas of weakness that you have, and we all have them. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, I've got weaknesses. Yeah, just, just admit it. And look back at him and say, I already knew that. And here they are. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Here's the fourth one. We got to get going on time. Here's the fourth one, and, and that is God is your security. He's not only your strength, but he's your security. Listen to how the psalm ends. There's only eight verses in the psalm. It says, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. It's interesting because this word protect or keep or guard is repeated six different times in these eight verses. And it's a Hebrew word. And I, I don't normally get into the Hebrew words or Greek words because I think a lot of times we have a hard enough time understanding what they mean in English. But I do want to show you this word in the Hebrew language. It's shamar. 
And it's a powerful word. It's to have charge of, to keep watch, you observe, to keep within boundaries. Because you could kind of misread this and say, well, God's going to keep me from all evil. And yet we look at the world and say, well, that's not necessarily true in the narratives that I see being lived out in people's lives. But really, the word shamar is that, that God is building into you. When you give your life to God, he's building into you an alarm system for your soul. I don't know how many of you guys have alarm systems here, but living in Vegas, we had an alarm system, all right? I'm just going to leave it there, all right? We had an alarm system, and, and a big part of that is because when you go to bed at night and you turn on the alarm you can kind of sleep a little bit better because if somebody breaks in your door, somebody opens a window or whatever while you're sleeping, you're going to have a sound go off and it's going to alert you that somebody's entering in your house. So the other day, my son told us, yeah, hey, we're going to be back at this time. And I'm like, okay, my daughters were sleeping on the other side of the house. I turned the alarm on because I wanted it to be covered. And I knew when he would come in, he would just turn it off and then turn it back on. Well, he came in like an hour later. It was one of those days that I was exhausted, so I went right to sleep. And I was like, I go right from awake to deep sleep. I don't know how many of you do that, but I do. So my son came in like not very long after I had like turned the alarm on, and the alarm went off. My wife was still even awake. And she said, I bolted out of my bed, and I was running towards the door, and I was ready to tackle whoever it was that was coming. It was my son. She's like, hey, it's Joe. You're like, stop it. And I like woke up. I was like, whoa, what's going on? How do you know it's not you know, somebody else? She goes, it's Josiah. Trust me. So I went, okay, and I went right back to sleep. But she goes, I'm so glad I was there, because if I had not been there, you would have tackled her own son. <laughs> All that to say, when when you give your life to God, he wants to help you by activating an alarm system when things are coming in to invade your life, to pull you off track of what his purposes are for your life. And we all have invaders that we deal with. Sometimes a thief looks like a thought that wants to come in and wreak havoc and pull you off course. Sometimes a thief looks like a, a relationship that the Lord doesn't really want you cultivating and giving yourself over to. Sometimes it could be even a bad decision that you're about ready to make. And, and the great thing about Jesus giving us his Holy Spirit is he says, I'm giving you my helper so that my helper can, can live on the inside of you. And when somebody crosses that doorway that is going to possibly lead to you being pulled off track, the Holy Spirit's going to be activated and you're going to be convicted. You're going to feel a sense of, like, I don't have peace about this. It's going to be, there's going to be an unrest. The best way I can describe it is, like, we all have this huncher. You know, maybe you've even had conversations like, I have a hunch. Some people say, I've got a gut feeling. It's like, I really believe when you get saved, God sanctifies your huncher. And I really believe that he gets in there and, and he takes that huncher and makes it a holy huncher. And he starts using his Holy Spirit to start giving you feelings to say, hey, this isn't good. This isn't right. And it may not be full on sin. It may not be. It could be. But maybe it's, it's more, uh, you know, just kind of something that's not healthy for you. 
Maybe the Bible doesn't call it sin, but, but the Holy Spirit's like, this isn't good for you, and this could possibly pull you off course. God is your security. Can I just encourage you, church, listen to that sanctified hunter and, and follow that peace that God wants you to be living with. And if you have life and peace, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, that that's a good thing, that God is, God is using that life and peace to direct you and possibly cause you to avoid some unnecessary headaches and heartaches that you could uh, allow into your life and not even be aware of it. So with all that said, think about this. God is your source. He says, look up. God is your support. He says, I've got you even while you're resting. God is your strength. He says, I, I, I've got you in your weaknesses. And God is your security. That, hey, I, I am for you, and I want to see to it that nothing invades you. Folks, let me tell you, we all need this reminder. The Israelites are, are marching to the presence of God with all of these difficulties, trying to discourage them and, and obstruct them from connecting with God. And they needed to sing the song to declare to their soul of who God was. And I believe this morning, some of you, you know this, maybe uh, because you've been raised in church and, and you study the Bible, but somehow you're like Peter, you've, you've looked at the wind and you've taken your eyes off of the one that can calm the wind. I want us to sing a song this morning. I'm going to have the worship band come up. And, and as we sing the song, I, I want this song to be an anthem for you in your journey. And whatever problem is in your life, whatever difficulty that you're facing, and what I know to be true about you is that you have problems. You have difficulties. Why? Because you're a human being. And in this fallen world, we have problems and difficulties. But my prayer for you this morning is that God uses this message in, in this time of worship to really remind you on who God is and how God wants you to remember that he is greater than your problem and he is stronger than your difficulty. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.